Welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV, the classic TV podcast where we remember and celebrate all things and everything classic TV. As a lot of you know, on occasion we do take a look at music because we're both huge music lovers, like all kinds of music, and we decided it was long overdue to do another album review. So we decided to review one of the albums in music history that had one of the most controversial backstories to it. It still remains unbelievable today. The album in question is the Mamas and Papas' second album, which was released on August the 30th, 1966. The album peaked at number four on the charts of Billboard charts and number 24 in the UK. Now, if you've seen the album cover, you can go to Google, you can go to Amazon, wherever, and you can, you know, check out the album cover. Um, the uh, names of each member of the group, is they're all printed above the picture. But Denny's, Denny Dordery's name is misspelled. Now, why that is, we still don't know. It's still not known as to why his name was misspelled. But uh, this was their second album, follow-up to their hugely successful first album, which was released in February of 1966. That album went all the way to number one, and it became a platinum-selling album. This one reached the gold status, however. And it's my personal favorite album by them. My sister's favorite is their first album, but this one is my favorite because the songs are very diverse. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff on this album. You know, they really go in a lot of different directions musically. Really stretched their musical talents on this album. But here's how it all played out. Now, for those of you who do not know a lot about the Mamas and Papas backstory, well, we're going to do a deep dive into a part of it today. Now, Denny Dordery and Michelle Phillips, of course, the group consisted of Denny Dordery, Michelle Phillips, Cass Elliott, and John Phillips. Well, Denny and Michelle had had an affair right before the release of their first album. And uh, so, you know, that definitely caused a lot of chaos within the group. I mean, that almost imploded the group before they even hit it big, before stardom, you know, came their way. That almost broke the group up because, of course, John and Michelle were married and Cass was in love with Denny. And Cass thought that Michelle was her friend. And she basically said, I mean, if all you could have any guy you want, why the guy that I'm in love with? Now, I won't go into the whole story about, you know, how, why was Cass in love with Denny and all that. It's, it would just take too long. I don't want to, you know, make this run too long. But uh, I will say that Cass and Denny were in uh, a group together before the Mamas and Papas formed, and that's how they met. And Cass has been in love with Denny ever since. As for Michelle, Michelle and Denny have contracted to one another when the group was in the Virgin Islands. And the attraction just continued to grow and develop. And, of course, like I said, they actually consummated their feelings for one another. But that had been, that was still a sore spot within the group, but... You know, they were so happy to be successful and they were, you know, doing really well on the charts. They were a big breakout group and excited to be planning for the release and the recording of their second album. Well, Michelle, and one thing I like about Michelle Phillips, 
even to this day at 79 years old, she's very open and honest about the things that she has done in her life. She doesn't make excuses. She doesn't lie about any of it. She's very forthcoming. I do have Michelle's book. Uh, got it on Amazon for a really cheap price. It's uh, like, again, she's very honest and I respect someone who owns up to whatever they've done. It doesn't try to throw blame around, takes responsibility and takes ownership. And that is definitely Michelle. Well, by this point, Michelle had moved on from Danny. Danny was still in love with Michelle. Then became an alcoholic basically over Michelle because he was trying to basically, in his words, drink her out of his system. Um, that doesn't work. I know firsthand that does not work, but anyway, uh, so by that point, Michelle had moved on and she had become involved with one of the birds, the group, the singing group, the birds, they recorded for those of you who don't know, they recorded the songs eight miles high, turn, 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 Hey, Mr. Tambourine man that group that's the birds and one of the guys in the group was gene clark really good looking guy very hot back in the 60s and they began to have an affair well one night there was a concert moms and papas were in concert i don't remember where they were i think they were in anaheim this was in june of 66 and gene clark had a front row seat And Michelle was singing to Gene Clark and blowing kisses at him from the stage. So John gets really upset and he grabs Michelle by the arm and he pretty much yells at her right in front of the whole audience. Everybody's really shocked. And so when the show is over, Michelle runs off the stage trying to get away from John. John catches up with her and fires her right then and there from the group. So, you know, she doesn't take it seriously, but Danny was upset because Michelle had moved on from him and he was still very much in love with her. Michelle loved Denny, but she didn't want to settle down with Denny. Michelle wanted to, you know, continue to fool around with other guys and she didn't want to necessarily break up from John. So Denny was kind of just out in the cold by that point and he did not take it very well. So Denny was totally down with her being kicked out of the group. Cass didn't mind either because Cass was still upset because Michelle had slept with Denny. So they drafted a letter, the three of them, and it was sent to Michelle, and she was officially fired on June the 28th, 1966. Now, this might not be true. This might just be an urban legend or a myth, but I read that the Beach Boys sent a telegram to Michelle because, you know, they were all, you know, friendly with each other, and they still are friendly, you know, with each other, the Beach Boys, Mamas and Papas, their offspring, you know, still close. Um, They sent a letter to Michelle, a telegram, and they told her that her secret was safe with them. But Michelle did not take the firing very, she did not take it very well at all. She was very, very upset, very devastated. She even went into one of the recording sessions. She barged her way in. She decked Denny because he didn't stand up for her at all. And she grabbed uh, a tambourine and she just threw a complete fit. She was known for having conniptions and fits the whole time that she had been kicked out of the group because she and John were still married, still living together. And she would have a lot of meltdowns, a lot of tantrums. And so that particular day, she yelled and told Michelle, told Denny, Cass, and John, I'll bury all of you. Which that kind of haunts her today because she's outlived all three of them. But she didn't take it very well at all. She was very, very, very upset. Didn't understand why she was fired. Didn't think it was necessary. Thought it went too far. So who replaced her? Well, their agent or manager, Lou Adler, 
replaced her with his girlfriend, Jill Gibson. Now, Jill Gibson was the former girlfriend of Jan and Barry of Jan and Dean. They had broken up after seven years because he cheated on her, so they broke up. And she was officially with Lou Adler. Lou Adler had been married to Shelley Fabre from the Donna Reed show and the song Johnny Angel and, you know, the Elvis movies. But they were separated. So he and Jill were in a relationship and Jill replaced Michelle. She was uh, Mama Jill for three months. And it was during this period of time that they continued to record their second album. So this album, to this day is shrouded in controversy because there are fans of the group that still debate 57 years later about which songs Michelle sings on and which songs Jill sings on. And I must admit, you have to really be a pretty big fan of the group and really know their material to know who is singing what. It took me a while to figure it out, but I've heard that album so many times in the car until I can tell who is singing what. Because Michelle's voice, they're both, they are both soprano, but Michelle's voice was a little softer while Jill's voice was a little more shrill. So that's how I can tell the difference between Jill and Michelle on a song. But... Jill Gibson was not only, uh, you know, she had done some singing with Jane and Dean. If you uh, check out the song by Jane and Dean from their, one of their uh, albums, um, Drag City, the Drag City album. There's a song on their cult, Surf Route 101. She does the speaking in the song. The girl who does the talking in the background or in the song is Jill Gibson. Jill Gibson was a model. She was, I think, from New York. Um, and then, of course, she, when she lived in L.A., um, I might have the New York part wrong, but she looked like a girl, whether I have it right or wrong or not. She looked like a girl from Park Avenue. She was very attractive. She, I mean, of course, Michelle was attractive too, but Michelle was attractive in a different way. Michelle looked like a combination of innocence and rebellion to me. Jill Gibson looked like a fashion model. She looked she had an uh, an aura of sophistication and elegance to herself and like I said she carried herself in a way that was not quite as laid back or defiant or rebellious as Michelle so I like Jill Gibson I thought that she was really a good fit for the group and as for how she was treated within the group well, well you know John was all for being in the group you know he was trying to get back at Michelle for cheating on him yet again with Gene Clark. So of course he was all for it. Cass always super friendly. She and, and Jill got along very well. Denny was distant with Jill Gibson. I mean, he was nice, but he was distant because no doubt he was missing Michelle. I mean, yeah, he was mad at her and he wanted her to be out of the group at the same time he was missing her. So it was very complicated. Um, but anyway, Jill, like I said, did a good job and she, you know, rose to the occasion and she was a good singer and the songs that she sings on, she did very, very well. But, um, after three months, you know, John was missing his wife being in the group. So, you know, he wanted her to, he let her come back in. Uh, she was officially reinstated on August the 23rd, 1966. Um, as for, you know, Cass and Denny, well, like I said, Denny was missing her because he was still in love with her, but they kind of realized that they didn't, 
White had the same chemistry with Jill as they had with Michelle, so they felt that she should come back. And they, you know, went ahead and agreed for her to come back. But while all this was going on, before all this happened, when Michelle was out of the group, they actually reshot the album cover for this album. It's, you have to go to Google and, you know, Google it. There are a few rare versions, editions rather out there, but they're like worth, you know, they're very, very rare and they're worth thousands of dollars. Um, but you go, if you go to Google and you type it in, you'll see, cause they, they basically cropped out Michelle and cropped in Jill, you know, on this album cover. And then they decided also to start a brand new album title. The title was going to be crash on scream on all fall down. Jill's on the cover prominently. They, again, you can go to Google and you can look this up too. Again, very few, uh, not too many of this cover with the title and the picture and all that was released of this album cover. Very, very few. Again, if you find one, it's very, very rare. It's a collector's item and it's worth thousands of dollars. If you happen to have one, it's a collector's item for sure. But um, Jill was kind of happy to leave the group because she thought there was just a little too much chaos within it. You know, they were a super group and she kind of just didn't go for all that go that went into being a member of a super group and all of the hoopla and all the attention. But she was hurt, she said, by the fact that John Phillips lied to her because he told her that she was going to be in the group. Michelle was out for good, you know, and he, you know, went back on his word. So she's very hurt by that. Um, they, you know, paid her a lump sum of money for her three month stint in the group. But when the album went gold, she was not given a gold album like the other four were, which that was really dead wrong and really shysty of them to do that to her. As for Michelle Phillips, well, Michelle has said that Jill did a good job. Jill was a good, was, you know, as good a singer as she was. So there are no hard feelings between the two of them. Um, as for Jill Gibson, where is she today? Well, she's 81 years old and she became a photographer. She she was doing that in the 60s. She was a prominent photographer at the Monterey Pop Festival. A lot of her photographs were still available over the internet. And then she also became a painter and a full-time artist. She has her own studio still to this very day. So you can go and Google her website. You can actually buy some of her artwork and jewelry and stuff. It's not very cheap because I looked it up. But if you do want to, you know, check out some of her, you know, pieces and items and, and her handiwork, if you'd like to buy some, you definitely can go to her website and you can do all of that. But let's get on with the album itself and the songs that are on this album. Now, side one, the very first song is No Salt on Her Tail. Um, this song, the uh, organ part was uh, performed by one of the guys from The Doors. I cannot think of his last name. Ray, he's the one who did all the album parts on The Doors albums. He is the one who sings, or plays rather, uh, uh, organ on this song. No salt on her tail. Now, Michelle sings on that song. You can tell us Michelle's voice very easily. The biggest two songs on this album, by the way, are Words of Love and I Saw Her Again, which both peaked at number five. But anyway, uh, the second song on the album, my favorite, actually, Trip, Stumble, and Fall. Now, Jill Gibson is on this song. Basically, the song is about, you know, you're going to trip, stumble, and fall if you keep make you know going down the path you're going down. You know, you keep uh, 
getting involved with the kind of people you're getting involved with, you're going to definitely trip, stumble, and fall. Some of these songs, you could tell that John Phillips, who wrote most of the material on the album, he wrote most of this of these songs. He was singing these, composing these songs, composed these songs to get back at Michelle. You can just tell. He was definitely talking to her. And that's one of the songs that he evidently was talking, you know, in regard to her uh, in. The next song, Dancing Bear, it's a ballad. Denny Dordery sings lead on. Again, Jill, Gil, Jill Gibson is on this song as well. Words of Love, again, that song was a top five hit released as a single on November 14th, 1966. Cass Elliott sings lead, and Michelle is on this song as well, although Jill Gibson claims that she was on the song. This one, I'm not really quite sure about. It sounds like Michelle, but then again, it kind of sounds like Jill. Jill insists to this day that she's on this song, so I'm kind of in limbo about this one. This one, I'm not quite sure about. But again, it was a top five song for them. If you listen to the live version on the Ed Sullivan show that they did in December of 66, Cass kills it. So it's over on YouTube. It's definitely worth checking out. The next song on side one is My Heart Stood Still. That, of course, a classic song done by everyone from Frank Sinatra to Tony Bennett to probably Judy Garland and Nat King Cole. Um, it definitely is out of the their usual style of music, but... Again, Michelle's on this song and they do a good job, you know, singing about uh, how, you know, you meet someone, you, you've met someone brand new and they made your heart stand still from that very first encounter. The final song is a remake of the Martha and the Vandellas classic hit from 1964, Dancing in the Street. Cass Elliott sings lead. And Martha Reeves herself went on to say years later that she really thought that the Mamas and Papas did a good job on that song. And they did. Cass, again, did a great job. Michelle is on this one as well. Cass and Denny go into this really weird uh, language of theirs that they shared when they were in the Mugwumps together. That's the group that they were in when they first met. And they kind of finished the song off talking in their little weird Mugwumps lingo. Uh, that concludes side one. Now, side two, the first song was, again, a big, big hit for them in the summer of 1966. I saw her again. Peaked at number five. was released in June of 66. This song, very autobiographical. John Phillips wrote it. It was about the affair between Michelle and Denny Dordery. Actually, Denny helped to write the song as well. It's kind of their way of mending fences. And also John's way of getting back at both Denny and Michelle for cheating. Um, together on him. Great song. Great harmonies. Definitely can see why it was the mega hit, one of the biggest hits of the entire summer of 1966. The next song, Strange Young Girls. Really good song as well. Talks about strange young girls and all the weird things that they were doing at the time. Lots of, you know... Drugs and the like. Again, Jill Gibson's on this song. You can clearly tell it's her voice. Then next of all, you have I Can't Wait. It's another song basically saying I can't wait for you to get back what you've done to me. You've treated me like garbage. I can't wait for you to get it back. Again, this is a song that Jill sings on. It's one of my all-time favorites on the album as well. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, one of those songs where you 
can't wait for the person who screwed you over to get screwed over back. The next song is Even As I Could. I think Jill is also on this song as well. Really good song. Also, uh, after that, we have That Kind of Girl. Again, this song is straight up about Michelle Phillips. It's about, you know, that kind of girl will screw you over. She'll break your heart. She'll cheat on you. And she's just plain no good. That's basically what they're saying. John and Denny sing lead vocals while you have Michelle and Jill Gibson singing together backup vocals. And then you have the final song on the album, Once Was a Time I Thought. It's only 58 seconds. It's less than a minute. Michelle clearly on this song. Uh, There's no music in the song. It's just the four voices harmonizing very beautifully together. It's a terrific song, a great way to wrap up the album. If you've never heard this album before, or if you're familiar with it, maybe you bought it, maybe you have it now. Um, I have it from the Mamas and Papas All the Leaves Are Brown CD collection. It's definitely worth a listen if you, you know, like their music or you like 60s music or if you, you know, just want to check it out and see what you think about it. Because, again, the controversy behind this album and the fact that it still exists today makes it really unique and stand out. Now, lots of albums have controversy. Lots of albums have had have controversial backstories to them. But this one right here is definitely one of the most controversial of all time. But it really, like I said, is a good album. And like I said, the songs that it seems like Jill sang half the songs while Michelle sang the other half, they got together. And I mean, the uh, Bones Howell, I think, was the name of their of their engineer. I think that was his name. He tried to mix the songs to where you couldn't tell who was singing. He was trying to really make all the songs, you know, erase. They were trying to erase Jill and have all the songs, you know, re-recorded by Michelle. But, you know, time constraints were a factor. They had to get the album out. They had to go ahead and get it released. So they couldn't continue to wait to try to get off all of Jill's vocals and replace them with Michelle. So they had to stick with the vocals that Jill had done, half of them, part of them, and then add Michelle's vocals as well. So... That's why you have half Jill, half Michelle. But the album is one of my favorites. Again, it's my favorite by them, one of my favorite albums of all time. And I know my sister had a real field day finding out about all of the stuff that went into, that was going on when this album was being recorded. She had no idea. She was very, very surprised. And it definitely surprised me too when I found out about it as well. But uh, yes, this album, again, the Mamas and Papas second album, simply titled The Mamas and the Papas, was burning up the charts 57 years ago today in 1966. Again, it peaked at number four, it went gold, and again, it's a definitely an album worth giving a listen to if you've never checked it out before. We'll have to do another album review sometime down the road. I mean, like I said, we love music and these album reviews, we haven't done that many, but they are fun. The research alone is a lot of fun to do. The research is the most fun thing of all regarding doing these album um, reviews or episodes. But we will be back to our regular episodes regarding short-lived 80s TV shows next time. We'll have a brand new episode coming up next week, and we look very forward to bringing it to you at that time. Thank you for joining us today on Two Sisters in the TV as we took a look back at the Mamas and Papas sophomore album. Again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. 
Please follow us over on Spotify. Smash that follow button as hard as you can and as quickly as you can and become one of our most treasured and beloved followers of this podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time with a brand new episode, taking us back to the 1980s, and we will see you on the next episode.